0: Yeah, you're in a in your recording closet, which you yeah. snuck into. I did. I
1: snuck into his recording closet. Describe his recording closet for us, Rob. We all want to know what is it like to be Bobby. What does he record in? A closet. Okay, what kind of closet? Paint me a picture. It has things in it for storage. You're this is this is exciting content, man. Let's get to the episode. The theme song at the start of the show. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Gonna watch a movie, got a thousand more to go. Stop wasting time on the theme song. Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore. And since I started singing, they already added more. So stop wasting time on the theme song. Just tell us the name of the show. What a terrible name for the show. It's worse than the theme song. Hello and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, a podcast where we watch and rank all 1799 movies on Disney+. My name is Sean, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Bob and Rob. And Bob, take a guess. What are some of those new movies they just added to Disney Plus? Uh, The Menu is one of them. It is. I saw The Menu. Have you seen it? No, but as soon as I saw it was on Disney Plus, I wanted to see it. It's pretty good. I liked it. Ralph Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt. Uh, it's fun. It's ridiculous, but I guess that's what those kind of movies are. I don't want to spoil anything. I won't say anything. It has its own little vibe going on. Uh, Rob, give me a second movie. What's a second movie they added to Disney Plus? Oof. Uh,
0: I have actually no idea. Uh, I've only been on Disney Plus once in like the past
1: week, and that was to watch this movie today. Twice. And I never checked what was new. I'm sorry. The answer we were looking for was Meet the Deedles. That's right. Meet the Deedles. ha 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 ha! Paul Walker's film from 1998. Uh, I think I saw that in theaters. I've never seen it. What's it about? Can you tell me? You saw it in theaters. Tell us what it's about. Uh, I remember they surf, I think. And
0: uh, there's a scene with them like rappelling down a mountain. I think they are extreme sports surfer bros. Is it just Point Break? It might be Point Break for kids. Whoa, okay, cool. I want to see what it is now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> While Rob is going to look up the plot of a movie he's already seen, Bob, how are you doing this week? Uh, I'm good. Ah. <laughs> I'm good,
2: yeah. As I said to you guys before recording, I was on set for like 20 hours on the weekend, so I'm still catching up on that.
1: What's your technique for catching up on sleep? Do you black out windows? Do you sleep during the day? How do you catch up on those 20 hours?
2: Um, I just go to bed... A little bit earlier each night if I can. And I got really lucky that I was able to catch up on sleep the next day.
1: Oh, so you incrementally catch up. I'm the inverse. I incrementally make my life worse every single day uh, until I just sleep for 20 hours in a row. Um, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think I'm making the right choices. No.
2: You know, it's, it's funny you say that because I have a very distinct memory of you coming back from Europe, exceptionally jet lagged, and then just not sleeping for a few days. And then we were walking to your, a friend's house and your car was parked in front and you just stood in the middle of the road and went, huh? Okay, I'll be right there. And we we're like, what the fuck was that? And you went, sorry, my bed's calling. And you just got into your car and drove off.
1: <laughs> that sounds very dangerous. Was I okay? Yeah, very I, we dangerous. We didn't hear from you for a couple days. So, I mean, you're here now. <laughs> and that was the last time you saw me until we started this podcast. Yeah. Robbie, did you find out what the plot of that movie was? Is it Point Break for Kids? Two surfers end up as Yellowstone Park rangers and have to stop a former ranger
0: who is out for revenge. I don't understand what any of that means. That doesn't make sense. That's not a plot. And if there's if there's only one, like, you know, normally on IMDb, they have more than one plot synopsis. <laughs> that is the entirety of the All plot. Right. It doesn't make any sense. No
2: one no one bothered to write what this movie was about. <laughs> well, maybe when we cover it, we'll be the first
1: people to ever see it. You could submit your own plot synopsis to IMDb. It'll just, we'll just submit the episode. <laughs> Yeah, we'll finally get some listeners. Rob, how are you doing?
0: Uh, I am uh, doing really good.
1: Yeah, I had a day off today. It was nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Chill day.
0: Like I said, I watched this movie twice today because uh, you had texted uh, that you did not like this film. Uh, you hated it. Worse than The Three Musketeers. And uh, in The Three Musketeers, you really, really hated that film. Uh, and so you said this was worse. And I watched this movie this morning, and, uh, it was in the category of so bad it was good. I was laughing my face off at it, so I had to watch it again... To see if, uh, my opinion still stood after the second viewing. I didn't want to come in too hot for this film, uh, because we watched the trailer, my wife and I, and, uh, we were like, I've been, I've been putting it off. Like, I watched it this morning because I've been putting it off. This has been on our calendar for, uh, over a week and I, I could not bring myself to watch it. So I, uh, I had to make sure that my opinion, uh, was based on scientific fact
1: here. Robbie, I say this with all love that I can muster, but, uh, you need to get more of a life, man. If you could watch this movie twice today. <laughs> like, what is uh-huh. happening? You're are you sure you're married? Like, are you sure she's still there? <laughs> yep.
0: Okay. Yep. Still here. Right.
2: I, I don't know how you did it. I could barely
1: watch this film once.
0: Oh, that is fair. That is fair. This movie is atrocious. <laughs> As you might have
1: gathered, just from the description, because we haven't actually given the title yet. We're talking about 1979's unidentified flying oddball, also known as the Spaceman and King Arthur. Wait, 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 wait. This movie came out in 79. Same year as- it came out two years after Star came Wars. Two years after Star Wars. <laughs> oh
0: my god. A
2: year before The Empire Strikes
1: Back and the same year as the Black Hole. Oh
0: my god, this movie's so bad. also known
1: as A Spaceman in King Arthur's Court. That last title being the only logical title because this is an adaptation of Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, yet somehow it took them three tries to land on that title because they went with Unidentified Flying Oddball and then the spaceman and king arthur like that's a get smart missed it by this much kind of moment i think mm-hmm. and apparently <laughs> robbie has seen it more than anyone else on the planet i'm assuming including the director yeah Hell russ yeah. mayberry most famous for directing episodes of the monkeys and i dream of genie any movies you might ask no he directed episodes of the monkeys and <laughs> i dream of genie <laughs> produced by Ron Miller who and then produced this film and that's it everything that Disney made in the 70s yeah so Russ Mayberry directed a lot of television uh his film credits are extremely limited this being... The only one mentioned in his Wikipedia profile. But he did do a lot of television. He was very prolific and he worked actually straight through the 80s into the early 90s. He has credits on episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Mm. And so I assume by that point he learned how to shoot space (laughs) so uh before we get to talking further about this movie though uh we have to do our regular segment rob what's it called did anybody write a review this week let's take a look let's take a peek did anybody write a review this week Ding. what's the answer rob nope no nobody wrote a review this week okay Um, I'm running out of ideas, boys. Uh, what are we doing wrong here? We got... Do we need to start... We've been doing the carrot. We've been doing... I don't know if there's a carrot. What's the carrot? The carrot is that we read it out. That's the carrot. Mm? We give them a little bit of fame. That brief 15 minutes that everyone craves so much. But, um... That's not working. Maybe we need a stick. Maybe we need to just, like... Some, like, deep canvassing. Just, like, stand outside. Just knocking on people's doors. I have a
0: podcast. Would you like to listen to it and review five stars on iTunes?
1: Please? You can do that. People do that. People stop me on the street and try People to... People stop you on the street and spit on your shoes? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Famous pop stars. You need to get spit on by more famous people so we can mention it. Like, seek out stars from these movies to get spit on by. Yeah. People will – we need to bring back our our famous segment, Streaming Down from the Stars with shine or something.
2: Yeah, (laughs) or Shooting for the Stars
1: (laughs) or something. All right. Moving on. Uh, Oh, yeah. We have to do the reprise. Nobody wrote a review this week. Ding. Unidentified. Flying Oddball, also known as the Spaceman and King Arthur, also known as a Spaceman in King Arthur's Court. I'm going to take us back a little bit to the year 1889 when Samuel Clemens wrote the book A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. He wrote it because he thought, you know what I hate? Fucking English people. And uh, he wanted <laughs> to write a book about how much they suck and how much better Americans are than them. The book is about an American gunmaker-engineer. Basically, he's Tony Stark, who gets hit on the head with a crowbar, and he's hit so hard he flies backwards in time. Uh Uh-huh. Science. And lands in Camelot, where he is greeted by King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and he uses American ingenuity... To show them the error of their ways, and about how aristocracy and royalty and British traditions are fucking lame. And really, you know what's awesome? Baseball. Basically, it is the plot of Idiocracy in reverse. Where instead of going into the future, he just goes into the past, you laugh. But it's that is the plot of A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court.
0: Uh, I, I was just looking on IMDb of that film uh, starring Bing Crosby. Uh, you missed the part where he sings, because that's what the plot is. A singing mechanic from 1912
1: finds himself in Arthurian There's like Britain. There's <laughs> four different versions of this even before... Unidentified Flying Oddball. Many people adapted this film. Disney made it three times. What's the third? The third time, you might ask. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. So I'll tell you right now. The three times are Unidentified Flying Oddball, 1979, Kid in King Arthur's Court, 1995, which we may or may not talk to. Yes, we are going to talk about it because I watched it. The third one is they did an ABC wonderful World of Disney made for TV version starring Whoopi Goldberg called a Knight in Camelot, which is also just a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court.
0: Uh, this was, uh, they remade this movie so many times that they are like, well, we'll do a musical version of it. It was just like they did a straight ad- adaptation. They did the action adventure version. They're like, we'll do
1: the musical version. What? How, how did Disney not do the musical version of this? Yeah. That right? doesn't make any sense. Maybe one of them might have been good. Although Bobby wouldn't have thought so. But I might have thought so. No,
2: this this movie ranks lower than like all of the musicals we've watched on my ranking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Idiocracy follows the plot of the book closer than a lot of these adaptations do. Because in the book, he becomes like this political leader who's like the right hand man to King Arthur. And then he like leads a technological revolution in England. And then he goes to war with the church. It's really fucked up. That None of that happens in this film. None of that. The later chapters of the book are about the church versus uh, this, like, singing Bing Crosby engineer with a Gatling gun. That's that's <laughs> the plot of the book. He uh, he, he makes himself a hand,
0: uh, Bruce Campbell style in Evil Dead 3 or Army of Darkness.
1: I'm pretty sure the ending of Army Darkness is taken from Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court because the ending of it is that Merlin puts him to sleep in a cave – For like 1,300 years or whatever, until he wakes up in the present day, back where he started. Which is what happens at the end of Army of Darkness. Except in Army of Darkness, he wakes up too late in the future, and it's the apocalypse. No, that's the alternate ending. That's the non-canonical ending. That's the theatrical ending. Is it the theatrical ending? Because it's non-canonical, because there's a sequel series. Cut that out if I'm wrong. Or leave it in to make me look dumb. Well... We're all dumb, Bobby. We're just various <laughs> gradations of dumb. Uh, I'm, I'm dumb because I enjoyed this film. Oh no, yeah, you're 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 the lowest gradation, Rob. Yeah, that gradation is black when it gets to you. <laughs> dumb, 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 dumb. I'm gonna do a bit more description of uh, the people involved in making this weird adaptation of the book. Dennis Dugan plays Tom Trimble, and he also plays Tom Trimble's robotic duplicate, Hermes. <laughs> Dennis Dugan is uh, widely known as the director of many Adam Sandler films, including Happy Gilmore. Don't mess with the Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan and Jack and Jill. Uh Uh huh. I think that's enough said about that. Oh wait, he also directed the made-for-TV remake of the Shaggy Dog from the '90s. Oh no, do we have to watch that? That's not the In Between Call. That's the '81, right? It's yeah, the eighties was the in betweenquel which was a sequel. The nineties was a remake made for TV on Wonderful World of Disney, starring Ed Begley Jr. It also stars Ron Moody as Merlin, which I wanna point out because for some insane reason, Ron Moody also plays Merlin in a kid in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. <laughs> really? But it's a to totally different <laughs> character.
2: My my note was like Ron Moody times Tootie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a weird casting decision yes. because it's not the same Merlin. We'll get to it, but in a Unidentified Flying Oddball, he's a villain. Yes. In A Kid in King Arthur's Court, he's a hero, and the characters are portrayed totally different. I don't know why Ron Moody played both, but he did. Then that's kind of fun trivia, I guess. Um, that's freaking hilarious. While I'm talking about it now, I'm just going to mention it because it's very strange. In A Kid in King Arthur's Court, uh, the actress Paloma Beza plays Princess Katie, which is the, you know, tween romantic interest for the lead character. She also was in the Whoopi Goldberg adaptation of Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Mm. What? So I don't know what Disney is doing. They, like, keep remaking this movie and taking only one actor from the previous version. She's also uh, – I didn't know she's actually – she's married to Alex Garland. Yes, she is married to Alex Garland, which is awesome because I love Alex Garland. Who's that again? He made uh, Ex Machina. He made Ex Machina. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He made Annihilation. Yeah, he yeah. wrote 28 Days Later, I believe. Yes, he also wrote Dread. Yeah, he did write Dread. Nice. Uh, I think – okay, so the other two names that I'll point out here is Sheila White plays Alessandi, which is Sandy, the romantic interest to Dennis Dugan. And Kenneth Moore plays King Arthur. Uh, I'll also point out that Jim Dale plays uh, Sir Mordro. Sir Can't Mordred? Can't rewind. Mordred. 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 My writing sucks. Jim Dale plays Sir Mordred. Kenneth
0: Moore. And Jim Dale, but also, uh, whoever, how do you ever pronounce Sir Gwaine's name? Messierier? Messierier,
1: yeah. John Lemassierier.
0: Those three people are the reason why I enjoyed this film. Well, everything else is terrible. Uh, I loved every single delivery of King Arthur. It was some of the funniest things. Every line he had,
1: I laughed. I kind of agree with you. I laughed so stupidly. I don't agree with you that I laughed. There wasn't much that he said that got me to laugh. But he had this odd charm about him, and he almost portrayed King Arthur as, like, this, like, stereotype wine mom. Like, he seemed like he was, like, just a little toasted all the time. Because he was like, ah, time traveler. Yes. Jolly good. Ah, Well, let's get some more of that then. Right. I mean, I made a I made a
0: subplot in this in my brain that King Arthur and Sir Gawain were uh, married. They were a married couple. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> my big picture note was that I think Kenneth Moore's King Arthur, uh, Jim Dale, Sheila White, as well uh, as Sandy, were like way better than they needed to be. Like they were not necessarily good, yeah. But uh, considering first how terrible the script is. Second, how terrible Dennis Dugan is. And third, horrible the atrocious, atrocious production design, production values, special effects, everything that was happening. Oh, special effects? They're not special, Sean. They're just effects. (laughs) (laughs) They're special in, like, the negative way where, like, you're talking about someone (laughs) who has some problems. They're special. The the fact that they could get through this movie with, like, any kind of dignity was kind of shocking to me. And Jim Dale played it 100% straight. Like he was. He, he did the whole movie as if he was like, maybe this is going to turn out. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be the right? one guy who <laughs> ruins it. Like he kept giving it. Sir Mordred, he gave
0: it 110%. I believe he's
2: known for, he was in like a series of British comedy films called like the carry on films. And he's in quite a few of those. So he's like a known comedic actor. So that might like that. That to me seemed like a choice of is like, okay, I'll play this straight. Like that might be funny.
1: And it kind of was. I just don't think anything else about this movie can carry any kind of performance. Like it doesn't even matter how good the supporting roles are. And the sporting performances are pretty decent. Like it, they have nothing to elevate, so there's still nothing. There. I, I I laughed hysterically.
0: Like they were juxtaposing it with these like very straightforward performances, and then there's just Dennis Dugan being held by wires, <laughs> flying around, <laughs> moving his arms oh like an my
1: idiot. God.
2: And you're just like, what am I watching?
1: <laughs> we'll, this is so bad. We'll get to it. Um, Robbie, why don't you start us since you seem to be much more enthusiastic than the rest of them? How the f- <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck does this movie start?
0: Uh, this movie starts uh, in a uh, NASA briefing room.
1: No, it starts off with the spacecraft
0: flying through space. Oh, yes. It's a spacecraft flying through space, but turns into a model in a NASA briefing room. You you, you expect it to be an actual spaceship, and then it uh, does the cut
1: the other way, and it just turns a model in this briefing room, right? Yeah, and I just want to cut you off here, because I have one thought, and it applies to the whole movie, but it jumps out at you and I think, the first frame on Disney+. Plus. And that is that this has to be one of the ugliest transfers I have ever seen. Oh, God. It's really bad. Film. <laughs> it's, it is atrocious. And it starts from frame one because frame one is just space. So it's just black, except all you can see are the scratches <laughs> on the film. And you're like, oh, it's good so God. Funny. They climate control the storage of all of their films, right? And they work
0: <laughs>
1: they worked with like the United States Congress to preserve them as like elements of American history. And they they have, like, four different underground, like, bases around the country, as if it's, like, NORAD when it's in a mountain and you have to go down a giant elevator. And then, you know, you open a big steel door with, like, six passwords to get it and find all of the, like, the nitrate film storage. And I'm fairly certain that when they got to this movie, they were like, nah, nah. it's not really worth the space. It's been it's been left out on the counter in the cafeteria,
0: uh, <laughs> next to the microwave, uh, for the past forty years, and they were just like, I mean, I guess if we have yeah. to, we'll put this on Disney Plus. No,
1: that's exactly what it was. They were going through, and they were like, uh, "What what do we got in storage?" They're like, "Whatever happened to that oddball movie?" And they're like, "I think Jim was using it to like prop." open his door yeah.
0: and then like the door, like kick at the door it rolls out it just falls all over the hallway
1: and they're like yeah yeah
0: that one we'll and then like
1: on. like a dog grabs it and runs away and they're like it'll be fine <laughs> like it, it'll turn up eventually don't worry If that's the truth i really
2: wish they would have just let the dog keep running because like fuck. A, a bird a bird grabs it from the dog
1: <laughs> makes it into a nest yeah because <laughs> it is it is atrociously bad it's so comically terribly kept um but then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why. Anyway, okay, keep going, Rob.
0: Uh, so we get a, a German rocket scientist talking to uh, NASA board um, about his new spaceship, the Stardust, uh, which is uh, supposed to travel faster than the speed of light uh, by using magnets <laughs> that will attract atoms. <laughs> it will ionize the atoms and turn that into fuel uh, and go back in time. Although he doesn't think it's going to go back in time. That's the funniest thing. No, no, no. Because, like, no, no. no
1: idea what it is. He's like, and then we're going to go to Alpha Centauri with this thing because it's going to go faster than light. And then, like, a fucking congressman is like, uh, if you go faster than light, don't you go back in time? And then the NASA guy's like, maybe. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll find out. <laughs>
0: And, uh, and, and the, the congressman says, you can't put young, red-blooded American men uh, on this ship. Uh, and the doctor says, we have some women pilots, sir.
1: <laughs> it's so
2: bad!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and the, the congressman is even more upset. Women? It's even worse! <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I mean, okay, let's get into it now. <laughs> um, there's one female character in this whole thing, and like...
2: Mm. This movie's really no. There's, there's two. There's there's the wench who is named as such.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm yeah. sorry. The one scene where the woman has is referred to as a wench. Yeah. Yes. Besides her, it's uh, Sandy is the only character. I guess the goose as well.
1: We ter- We find out at the very end the goose is a woman. I I kind of found it amusing how little time she had for Dennis Dugan's shit. Like the movie yep. does portray yes. her as an idiot because she thinks her father was turned into a goose. But she's also just like, I don't fucking care about your bullshit, man. And then like when he like professes his love to her and she's like, well, if it's between you and the monster, (laughs) like, I guess I would take you because you're like second worst. But, you know, next to the man whose literal name is Oaf and kidnapped me. (laughs) So she's like, if you know, so we'll see. If those are my two options, uh-huh. you do rank above him who is played by Pat Roach from Willow. Oh, one other question I have, just just so that we're all on the same page. So, um this scientist who invented the faster than light sp- magnets, <laughs> spacecraft with magnets, he's a Nazi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. Just just yep. I mean, we've all seen the Walt Disney documentary Man in Space full of <laughs> Nazis. So, you know, yeah. yep. this is a this is they do have a history with this. Okay. Mm. Um Keep going, Rob. The, the congressman,
0: uh, says, no, you can't put any live people on this, uh, spaceship. And so you gotta find another way. So then the Nazi, uh, rocket scientist calls up Dennis Dugan and says, yo, I need a robot. And Dennis Dugan says, sure, give me a minute. And then builds <laughs> a fully anthropomorphic, 100% perfectly working, uh, robot, sentient robot,
1: uh, over the title credits. And it
2: is one of the hardiest robots to ever grace film. It's
1: not really surprising because Dennis Dugan apparently fed all information into this robot through the form of a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> like I said, uh-huh. he had to like teach this robot everything it knows, but what we see is that his PowerPoint presentation is primarily thirst photos of women. Uh, the doctor says that he wants a robot that can think and feel and act
0: like a human. Uh, so there's a shot. Uh, like It's over the opening credits that Dennis Dugan's building this robot, right? And uh, we see the whole thing as it's going. And there's one point where um, there's like this robot is flayed out on a table with all its wires and everything. And then Dennis Dugan tickles its foot. Uh, and it, like, jitters its jaw like it's laughing, right? Um, but then I thought about that, logically, that uh, he created this robot to feel, and it is flayed out on this table with all of its outsides, its insides out. <laughs> and so he he built this thing to feel from, like, the start. And so it's just an <laughs> excruciating pain as it's being put together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really makes the jousting scene later play really horrifically.
0: I know, right? <laughs> he says he doesn't want to, but he can feel and he's just like, I guess you gotta go back and take another shot to the face there,
1: Hermes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, please kill me, I am in hell scene. <laughs>
0: but it's just exactly <laughs> what, what, he what it is. It doesn't have it doesn't have it's just got a mouth <laughs> and eyes. <laughs>
2: Holy shit. <sighs> I likened it to the, like, why? Why was I programmed to feel pain? He's a
1: horrific monster. This is basically the plot of I have no mouth, yet I must scream. And yet it is the opening credits of this Disney film. This is why everyone refers
2: to him as a monster throughout the entirety of the film, because they can see his true self.
1: You can could, you could tell when someone has tortured a living intelligence for that long. Has,
2: has, has created life for the sole purpose of torturing it. <laughs> they make it look exactly like Dennis Dugan. Um... <laughs> Uh, because I don't know why.
1: Well, so that it can be played by Dennis, dude.
2: Yeah, so that they can show their amazing split screen technology and how there's obviously two of them in the same room.
1: This amazing 1920s technology that they do four times and screw up three of them. <laughs> did have to
2: skip back to be like was that a line in the wall and I was like no no that's definitely where they like that. that's that's the second film uh, there is a line that they they don't even try to hide they actually cut through a
0: sign <laughs> in the wall making it even obvious it's like a piece of paper that they could have just gone on the edge of but they went straight through the or someone middle. doing
2: sector could have been like oh let's take this piece of paper down
1: no but they decided to cut it straight through the middle it's so bad <laughs> <laughs> there's one shot near the end where one half of the frame is jittering because yep. sh- you you, sh- you just lock the camera down and you shoot it twice but it was like one time someone like banged the camera and they're like should we shoot that again They're like nah, it will be fine and nah, so it's fine don't worry about it you have this shot where half of the frame is shaking and the other half is
0: still so the congressman uh he sees the robot um and says i guess this is gonna work then so they, uh, they, they strap the robot into the, uh, the spaceship Stardust and they're at the, uh, Cape Canaveral launch countdown. Uh, but then the robot says he doesn't want to go because he's scared. <laughs> this poor, poor soul.
1: <laughs> My favorite part is that the robot goes, Yeah, I don't want to go because I'm scared. I'm scared. I won't ever come back. And then the Nazi scientist is like, Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's
0: understandably scared, Uh, and so uh, they get Dennis Dugan to go into the spaceship uh, to try to talk some sense into him. Uh, Dennis Dugan goes into the spacecraft and says, "Uh, Hermes, close the door after me, would you please? That's convenient, Uh, and then tries to get him uh, in his spacesuit, but finds a playboy porn mag that that Hermes Hermes has stashed away (laughs) from the trip (laughs) smuggled into his space
1: what movie is this like what movie is this where the robot has a
2: playboy I had to think this as an afterthought because I had to go back and change that note being like does that mean the robot can masturbate yeah
0: Dennis Dugan made a dick Dennis you can put a dick on that robot for no reason
2: uh, other than to torment the robot with. And the thing about this Playboy is it's not like it's a one-off gag. Like, this Playboy ends up being a key plot element of the film. It comes up several times.
1: In all of these films, there's something that the time traveler brings back from the future that amazes, you know, the contemporaries. <laughs> in A Kid in King Arthur's Court, he has, like, a Discman, which he uses in various increasingly absurd ways in this movie the object is a playboy it's pornography this is the script that disney signed off on where they're like this time traveler goes back in time and amazes the peasants with his pornography and ron miller's like (laughs) green light (laughs) shoot it now (laughs) this
2: movie's so bad but like i don't this is the thing that like that really got me about this movie though is that NASA has like laser guns that they've invented this guy can also just whip Uh up a robot like inside of a weekend but I was like this movie takes place in 1979 because it's like a 70s porno
1: anyway so he's in the he's in the shuttle and then lightning strikes which sets off the rocket and they blast off into space and then Dennis Dugan calls back to mission control and he's like Nazi scientist uh, cancel the mission I'm still in the spacecraft and the Nazi scientist is like that seems hard uh yeah yeah no thanks (laughs) so I don't think so I don't think we're
0: gonna
2: do that the only reason I pointed out that the movie started with the fake space thing was for this exact reason because my first note on the movie was holy shit that is obviously a toy that looks like shit oh yeah and then I went oh the movie got me it's only pretending it's a toy (laughs) haha you got me and then the rocket takeoff sequence happened and I went Oh no, that is obviously a toy. This looks like shit. <laughs>
1: Everything in this movie in space looked like complete shit. I'm actually pretty sure that the opening sequence where there were like, jokes on you, that was a toy, looked better, looked better. than the special effect where they were pretending it was an actual spaceship.
0: The Earth is clearly just a styrofoam ball that someone painted with like a marker. Yeah, it's insane. It is terrible. The spaceship
1: has a weird TARDIS element to it where when they're shooting on the inside... It has vastly different sizes and shapes. And when they're shooting on the outside, it is approximately the size of a Prius. <laughs> Which, which uh,
0: I burst out laughing later on in the film when the rover, like the planet rover came out. I was like, where the fuck was that? That's the that's the ambulance in the back
1: of the truck. It exactly. Is. Die Hard. <laughs> that's the same thing I thought of. I was thinking of Die Hard when I watched that sequence. <laughs> he drives out of it with this little rover that is 97% of the size of this space <laughs> the same size
0: as the spaceship.
1: it's just like this fucking cardboard thing that they built on the outside and then on the inside i don't even know what the size of it is on the inside because i feel like they had different sets because a few of the sets, it looks kind of large. And then a few of the other sets, it looks like the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Remember Stardust, which is the name of this ship, was built before the robot. The Nazi scientist was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a crew of two in here for four and a half years. And it's a Prius. Like,
0: <laughs> where <laughs> did they bathroom. sleep?
1: There's nothing in it. Yeah. There's nothing there. Uh-huh. It's just like yeah, yeah. two chairs and some knobs. During the ignition...
0: Um... Uh, the robot gets smacked in the head. Um, and then, uh, there's a funny, funny shot. Did you guys see, uh, when they were trying to imitate gravity? Uh, or no, zero gravity. And Dennis Dugan is clearly like just kind of on a wire rig. But then they had the lights, uh, behind the wire rig. So the shadow from the wire rig is on the ground. You could clearly see the outline of the wire rig in the, I mean, there's so many times you could see the wires in this, but it's like they didn't even decide to put the lights in front of the wiring so you wouldn't see the shadow.
1: He goes into space. He uh redirects the shuttle from going to Alpha Centauri to just go into orbit, except it's now going faster than light. So he travels back in time. He lands in the 6th century, 560 or something. Like the
0: first close-up of the uh the stairs coming
1: down is clearly like pine two
0: by fours that they built that thing out of it's just like clad in cardboard and balsa wood it's so bad and this is two years after star wars it's so good i loved it so much looking at the
1: looking at the model of that spaceship that he walks out of which i'd like to remind you is the size of a prius i have a little story i want i want to tell when when bob and i were about 10 years old maybe 11 are you talking about the time that you went to space and I didn't? That's exactly the story I'm telling you, but you're spoiling it. You're spoiling the punchline of my story. You and I have
2: been to space together, and we have not been to space together, depending on if it's third grade or fifth what? grade. You guys went
0: to
1: space? What am I missing? Come on. I'm sorry, your school just wasn't as cool as ours. When we were about 10 or 11 years old, Bob and I went to space camp. And it was this uh, kind of like weekly event for a few weeks, this is program, where you like plan and participate in a fake... Uh, space launch and you like learn about all of the different roles that you participate in if you're an astronaut and how going into space works and all this kind of stuff and the final goal of this is that there's going to be a space launch day where everyone at space camp takes these roles in in an actual space launch. And so there's going to be some people in mission control and there's going to be some people in a spaceship and there's going to be some people doing these tasks and everyone learns their roles and then you come on the day where you go into space and you, you kind of do this role-playing exercise. We built spacecraft for this role-playing exercise, which was like this big cardboard structure that looked like a spaceship and inside there were knobs and shit. And then we built like a mission control where people would sit at stuff. And then on the day when we were going to go into space, we get there and we're like 25 minutes late, whatever it was. And we walk in and the person there is like, "Uh, you boys are late. We've already like assigned all of the tasks that everyone is going to do. There's only two roles left. There's the receptionist who welcomes people (laughs) to the event. And there is captain of the entire (laughs) space program. (laughs) <laughs> and I, like the oh, no. selfless, noble friend that I was, stepped forward and said,
2: I call space captain. Actually, you're remembering that story wrong. Okay, go ahead. I was got the job of receptionist and my mom had to talk me up and say like, you get to greet everybody. Like that's an important job for the mission. Like they need people to welcome people to the mission. And that made me feel better about it. And then I missed my ride and didn't make it to the space launch. So not only did I feel like I was given the lesser of all of the jobs... I also did not even get to go do my lesser job.
1: Oh, no. And, like, remember
2: being very upset that day.
1: Okay, well, it's not it's not as funny now. Now it's sad. <laughs> uh, now it's not a funny story. Bobby's like, yeah, I know. I've been holding on to that for this many years. I know it's not funny. All right. well, Well, that's not going in anymore. <laughs>
2: To me, that story and both stories now perfectly sum up this movie where Robbie is explaining this movie as this really fun, enjoyable, so bad it's good cardboard sets. And in reality, it's like, no, the, it's just you crying alone and not having a good time. That's what those amazing flying oddball is. All right. Well, um, Robbie, tell me what happens
1: next. I'm
2: going <laughs> to. Therefore. I want to get
1: Bobby's
0: perspective because I've been enjoying it, as he said, and I've been saying it's so bad, it's so good. So I want to hear what Bobby says happens next. He gets out and she
2: explains, like in a spacesuit, in a spacesuit, and he can't take his helmet off. She happens to know exactly what year of the Lord it is, and instead of being yep. horrified, he's really excited about the fact that wow, I did travel back in time. This is amazing. Yep. And she mentions that she's all alone, and then in the happiest way possible, explains how her mother died of the plague. And seems to be totally fine with this.
1: There's a big picture problem with Mark Twain's book. And that is in the 6th century, they didn't speak English or at least English as we know it today. Yeah. They would have spoke old English, which is not in the least bit recognizable as English. It's literally a completely different language. Yeah.
2: I had a a psychology teacher when I was in theater in college read uh the first paragraph of beowulf in old english and all of us were like what the fuck did you just say and he was like my point exactly yeah, like it's
1: it's a totally different language like chaucer middle english is very different as well but you can kind of be like oh that kind of sounds like english you know i can sort of recognize one or two words beowulf doesn't sound like english because it's not it's a totally different language but like that's a problem with the book you kind of can't adapt it without just ignoring that so that's fine okay whatever I'm frustrated by how much both of these adaptations that we're talking about, the Unidentified Flying Oddball as well as A Kid in King Arthur's Court, try to make jokes about the differences in language. Where, like, they go back to Arthurian Camelot, and then someone's like oh, your Californian lingo is so foreign to me. I don't understand what you're saying. And it's like, fuck off. They're supposed to be Old English. Like, what is this?
2: Um, but at this point, uh, Sir Mordred comes riding in.
0: The, the the audio voice from the audiobooks that did Harry Potter. That's how, what I knew him for. Yeah, Jim Dale. Uh, he, he did all of the Harry Potter books. All of them? Yeah. Interesting. He read them all. Uh, but really, really poorly. I did not like them at all. Uh, Stephen Fry does a version much, much better. Uh, Jim Dale, uh, his voice for Hermione is something atrocious. I I honestly recommend you guys uh, listening to a clip of it. Um, And Hermione is one of the three leads, and it was insufferable. Like, he picked one of the most annoying voices I could possibly think of for Hermione. It's like making your lead character
2: have the most annoying voice. It was so bad. But yeah, he arrests uh, Tribble. Tom. Tom. Tom Trimble. Trimble. I was going to say the actor's name. Yeah, he, he arrests him and brings him back to try and win the favor of his father. This one is like I don't know how online this is like this particular aspect is, but I know like this kind of is a little more fast and loose with the like Mordred Arthur lineage. It's a little different in this one. Like not that it's a problem. It's a little different than some of the other versions where he shows up in things. Like he's always his son, but like
1: Mordred mm-hmm.
2: is King Arthur's son. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah didn't know that. Well, you watch the movie twice and they say it, so you would have heard that both times. They did? Man. I was clearly paying attention. I was probably laughing,
0: uh, my face off at Dennis Dugan in a spacesuit just trekking through a field. Like, he, he looked so dumb. Uh, but they actually shot, like, on location in England, uh, in Pinewood Studios, and... I liked, like, the exterior shots. I was like, oh, this is actually, they, they went on location. They did this. Uh, they got some production value from having the English countryside because they had no production value from their, uh, <laughs> their set deck. Like, they, they were like, here's a castle. Cool. We can use that. Uh, what else do we have? Some cardboard and some balsa wood. Perfect.
2: Let's use it. I think I liked about this is when they actually get to King Arthur's court and from what I read I think this is this is actually in line with the Mark Twain novel is that Merlin's more of a con artist and just a and like I like that in this he's just a parlor magician.
1: Okay, so Tom Trimble arrives um and he Wearing a spacesuit, and he never takes off his spacesuit, and it is the most awkward and uncomfortable thing ever. Because Dennis Dugan, his face doesn't totally come over like the cusp of the spacesuit that they've created, <laughs> and so for him, for him, because it was for the robot <laughs> that was it
0: was molded for him it's not like he's wearing well, somebody else's. Within the spacesuit. world it's just an
1: ill-fitting costume <laughs> the world of the movie it was built for him and also within the world of reality where they're making a movie it was also built for him and yet in neither of those worlds does it fit him <laughs> does it fit him <laughs> I, like you can't see his face through like 90 percent of like the first third of the movie because he's like, he's like this little boy wearing his like father's suit. And it's like the top of his eyes are like peeking out above this little like costume. And it's the most ridiculous Ugh. thing. And he goes before King Arthur and King Arthur's like, oh, what's this? And it's like, oh, it's, um, it's a monster. No, interesting. Interesting. Cool, cool, cool. And then, like, uh, monsters like, no, no, I'm a spaceman. Oh, spaceman, cool, cool, cool. He's like, here's the history of the world that he teaches him, like the entire history of everything that happens between apparently 560 and 1979. That's a very long history lesson. Yeah, he uh-huh. has experience doing all those PowerPoint presentations for Hermes. That's so. true. Oh yeah,
0: that's where came from. Do you think from? he also
2: showed them pornography? <laughs> He brings the porno with him, he keeps it in the spacesuit and brings it to the corner. And then
0: he like cuts to like Sir Mordred, who's just been getting shit faced in the corner, just getting drunk, and he's like, I, I think we should put an end to this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Again, liked these actors. I thought they were funny. I just don't to think any of the jokes work for me. Like, I just I think the script is terrible, and I just don't think it works. I think the supporting actors do the best they can with the material and they do better than I would have. Like watching it, again, I got I got nothing but respect for Kenneth Moore's King Arthur because watching it, you're like, he is giving way too much dignity to this role. When you uh-huh. look at what he's mm-hmm. looking at, he's surrounded by garbage. This should be the role where he reflects on his life and decides that he made some bad decisions to get here. And yet he's at the end of his career. This should have been a very sad moment for him. And yet he's giving... <laughs> Perfectly serviceable noble performance. Like this is a good performance, and I think that's impressive.
2: I I know, uh, Sean. That's the thing is, I do agree with you. Is that it's that it's not that they're bad. It's just none of the jokes play. Not none of them play at all.
0: I uh, I like the line later where um. Uh, fucking Dennis Dugan comes out of his Prius on a <laughs> Land Rover and like he's just like he's wearing a full of armor gold of armor and he's just like I'll be back see you later king and then like he's just like just down the street oh, <laughs> and,
1: yeah, then, and then the king goes that's the last time we'll ever see <laughs> I I do remember that. That was actually funny. I agree with you. That was a funny line. <laughs> Alas, we will never see him he's again. He's driving this little, like, buggy in a giant golden suit of armor. And it's the, the cheapest little, like, buggy. Like, it's bumping. He's like, beep, beep. And he's driving away. And the king of England is watching him go and then just turns to his right-hand man and says, That's the last time we're ever going to see you. <laughs> exactly so in five <laughs> minutes in five minutes robbie give me the plot All right. of this movie. No, no no i got i got <laughs> too many notes
2: i watched this thing twice how, how did you watch this twice this film's so fucking bad oh god they
1: decide
0: that they're gonna burn him because you know a, a burning is appropriate so says king arthur uh for the monster uh they put him in the dungeon and then Sandy comes back. They find out that asbestos is the bestest because he's going to burn, but he's
1: wearing an entire asbestos. His, his entire space suit is made of asbestos. I'm sorry can can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Did you just come up with asbestos is the bestest? <laughs> Uh no I, I've been saying that for years. Did you come up with it years ago, or is this something you've taken from somebody? uh no, I think I think we came up with it a long
0: long time ago. It's because in our school um uh our old old school that that I went to for elementary school um all of the the heat pipes and the water pipes were wrapped in asbestos, and kids would uh we used to kick balls and try to hit them and so we said that asbestos was the bestest. <laughs> okay, cool Keep going. Okay. Uh, So we find out that his suit is entirely made of asbestos.
2: It's it's, it's like the only time in a film ever where you're going to see somebody be happy that they're completely encased in asbestos.
0: (laughs) Fully covered in asbestos. I'm going to get to another part, another performance that I truly loved. And that was uh, Sandy's dad being tortured. And, like, he has to suffer Dennis Dugan's foolery. And then he says he's going to tell King Arthur about uh, Mordred's double cross or
1: whatever it is
0: after the burning. And uh, what does he say? He says, Uh, wouldn't it be
1: better to do it before the burning or something (laughs) like that?
0: Would it not show uh more foresight to tell him before the burning and then it cuts to the next day and it's a shot of a wood on fire like they, like it's a, a hard cut to like a visual no, game none of
1: this matters what what is his goal at this point I don't understand this movie what what is
0: he trying we, to we do? miss the part where the playboy makes a comeback he gives <sighs> it to the page he gives it to Clarence because he doesn't want the playboy to burn <laughs> Like, <he's,
2: laughs> it's so important like he
0: gives it away so it doesn't burn in the fire
1: yeah he gives okay so so he gives a playboy to this peasant from the 6th <laughs> century, yes. and this peasant looks <laughs> at 1970s photography, yep. and his first instinct is not, <laughs> what witchcraft is this to capture images of people and place them onto papyrus, but instead uh-huh. is to go, fucking boobies, and then yep. He, he, like, he gets his all, like, horny face on and then, like, hides it in his shirt. Yep. And then he spends the rest of the movie apparently forgetting that he's the first man to see a photograph. Yep. That is not what impresses him. Yeah. That, that, I noticed that too. Like, he's, he's totally forgotten that this is a technology that will not exist
2: for 1300 years. <laughs> like, not only photography that, like, this is a bound magazine, this is the first time he would have seen, like, print. <laughs> There's a horny joke in here, too, where he says, hang on to that. There's some good articles in it.
0: Yes, he says there's some good articles in there.
2: Again, written in modern English. Assuming this peasant can, can read.
0: Yeah, this peasant definitely cannot read. Uh, so before the burning, uh, Dennis Dugan says to King Arthur, um, uh, after the burning, can I have an audience with you? And then King Arthur's like, I guess if you're feeling up to it, yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: there's also some weird shots where, like, you can tell the stunt guy that was in the suit was standing close to the fire because the suit is, like, kind of a dark brown from the smoke. And then it cuts to him talking to King Arthur, and the suit is white again, and then it cuts back to a wide, and the suit's a different color again. That guy was definitely wearing an actual asbestos suit,
0: though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, Dennis Dugan runs away and jumps in a pond, and then we get the shot of what's supposed to be an airtight, perfectly, a space suit just soaking in water. Like, just like... (laughs) It's clearly one sheet of material because you can, like, pretty much see Dennis Dugan's ass in it. And it's just soaking wet, retaining all this water that it's supposed to be this miracle spacesuit. It's so good.
1: Bobby, what happens? Please make this as quick as possible.
2: No, 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 no. The, no, 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 I'm gonna fucking... Because this this sequence, the next sequence overplays its welcome because it's, like, fucking ten minutes long. They challenge him to a duel and Mordred's page, the horny page, goes to get his sword. He faces it due north and apparently if you hit
0: something while it's pointing due north, it becomes magnetized. He has a laser. He has a laser
2: gun <laughs> on the ship. This is the time for the Army of Darkness shot where Bruce Campbell shoots King Arthur's sword in half with a shotgun. All you had to do was pull out the laser and shoot the sword and then not not have ten minutes of Mordred getting stuck to everything in Camelot. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: yep.
0: uh, and, and we are glossing over the parts where Dennis Dugan pulls the sword out of the stone. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he's pure of heart or something, right? And it's never referenced again in the film.
2: No, because they don't want to show the sword anymore, because looking at this transfer, you can see it's a hunk of fucking plastic.
1: It is
0: a plastic
2: sword.
1: Yeah, so this is this is like 40% of the movie. Actually, though. After this, he's got a laser, and he shows King Arthur his laser. He challenges him to a duel, uh, uh, a jousting match. We gotta talk about the jousting match. Oh, fuck. They have a second duel. And right. this goes on for yeah. way too long. <laughs> they have a second duel. That's how much I hate this movie. This movie <laughs> makes no fucking sense, because they have a duel... And then he wins the duel, and then he's like, King, now that I've defeated Mordred, I need to explain to you that Mordred is plotting to overthrow you because I heard it and I was in the dungeon. And then the king is like, Mordred, is this true? And Mordred's like, psh, no. And the king is like, you should duel him to prove it. And it's like, you just fucking did that. Yeah, they did it again. And so he has (sighs) to do it again. And this is, like, most of the movie. We're now, like, more than halfway through the movie, and most of it is just him repeatedly dueling Mordred in the most awful sequences you can imagine. Uh, Mordred wants to have this duel, and we don't think that Dennis Dugan
0: is going to show up. And then the king just sees something on the corner and goes, Hello, what's this? <laughs>
1: and it's a spaceman riding a horse. So Dennis Dugan sent his robot. So he fixed the robot in the spaceship, and he sent the robot to go get killed because the robot feels pain. And the robot can feel when he's decapitated. And Dennis Dugan is like... he says
0: he doesn't want to do it. He radios him and says, I don't want to do it. And Dennis Dugan's like, sorry, buddy, you're going to have to go back around and do it again.
2: He also has programmed him to feel heartache and love because he embraces Sandy and then kisses her. And then he says, listen, Hermes, I can turn you off as fast as she turns you on. Go joust. It's pretty fucked up
1: that he programs this robot to feel love, feel sexual attraction, and then controls this robot's life so that it both is sexually frustrated and is horribly mutilated over and over again. <laughs> All the time. And you're,
2: you're assuming he because he can feel physical pain, he feels
1: emotional pain too. He must. Oh, absolutely. Oh, 100%. So he like presents this this robot with this woman and says, you cannot have her. I shall have her. Instead, you yeah. shall lose your limbs. <laughs> for no reason. He's just created this creature for his own amusement. Uh, because, like, Mordred could have just, they would
0: have waited out there and he would have had enough time to rummage through the office, but he, he decides to do any of this. All of he this doesn't is dumb. need to
1: do the joust. He just decides that he wants to torture Hermes more. So when we're talking about these time travel things, there's always, like, one thing that the person needs in order to, like, get Back to the future, you know, back to the future style. And it's like, that's what's keeping them in the past. And so when you like wrap what they need in with like some sort of like plot point in the past, they need to like affirm the thing in the past, right? The thing that's keeping him in the past that he needs is like fucking timber. (laughs) When he finally succeeds at everything and he's like, now it's time for me to go back to the future, he just like puts some sticks on the ground on an incline and then like lights them. (laughs) And then he's like, woo, I'm lifting off. He could go home at any time. This is not something he needs Camelot for. So he's just doing all of this jousting shit. For the fun of it. Bobby, in the fastest way possible, can you get us to the end of this movie? I'm going to go to the washroom. No! Please be done by the time I get back. No! I
2: will see. I've got so many notes. You shouldn't have any fucking notes. This is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. It's so bad. And like, it's I, so bad. You are, this, is, this movie is not so bad it is good. This movie is just bad. Um... <laughs> so he runs out and shows everybody like hey look i have these notes you all can read somebody wrote these he was smart enough to write down everything he was going to do because he's a fucking idiot here i'm assuming you can read king arthur and then at the drop of a hat i'll say that without snapping just in case it's hard to edit at the drop of a hat mordred says death to arthur and just immediately flees the fucking kingdom Uh uh-huh this is the point in the movie for some fucking reason that triple's like oh yeah i have a ray gun have had a ray gun the whole time. Could have solved this problem quite easily. We we got to do this scene in the
0: in like the the kitchen where they're putting back together the robot that feels. Do we? Because Sandy is clearly in love. She professed. Her love to Hermes. She clearly doesn't like Dennis Dugan. I don't get it at the very end how she changes, has a change of heart and says she'll she'll be with Dennis Dugan. Because the, the, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Right, that's it. But, like, the entire film, it's actually quite funny where she is uh, just basically in love with a robot and not in love with Dennis Dugan.
2: I I, I disagree. I, I don't think it's funny. I think it's sad because you're like, oh, no, like, they didn't give this woman anything to do other than, like, be in a love triangle with this guy and a robot he made of himself. That he also programmed uh-huh. to feel love and emotional pain. Yeah, and the robot loves Sandy back. That's the saddest part is the fact that Dennis Dugan is cock blocking the robot. No, this th- <laughs> like this is like this is just ex machina. This is what this is,
1: <laughs> where he creates Domhnal Gleeson. <laughs> where the twist is that Domhnal is the robot. He's like, I made you to be conquered. (laughs) Like, why? Like, I just wanted to see if I could do it.
2: (laughs) Now
0: watch me dance with her. (laughs) And then we get the scene of him having his laser gun, and he blows up the porn mag.
2: He blows up the porn mag, which is very sad for the page. But again, this is the point where he's like, as I said, he's like, oh yeah, I have a ray gun. I've had it the whole time. Could have just shot Mordred, could have just... I
1: could have conquered England very quickly. Uh And also, I was like, why did NASA invent a ray gun oh it's it's to collect rock samples with because that makes
0: any fucking fucking sense yeah
1: it's like a fucking missile launcher and they're like oh this is just to collect rock samples on alpha centauri (laughs) there seems to be a lot of like ash
0: and scoring and carbon on this rock i wonder why (laughs) is it the laser we shot at (laughs) it (laughs) <laughs> Merlin sees this, and he explains the plot to Oaf, and oh, <laughs> do you remember this on The Battlement? And he's explaining the whole plot, and Oaf's not understanding it. And then Merlin has a surprise chicken leg in his pocket that he just gives to Oaf from underneath the Robbie, frame. do I need to
1: get out a timer? <laughs> I tried okay. to
2: skip over, and he made me go oh back. Oh my god, Robbie, you're killing I, I'm us. I'm almost you're killing done. Us. I'm almost done my notes.
1: Oh my god, come on. Okay, Merlin steals the laser gun, and then he uses it with Sir Mordred to try to launch a who Little does he know that Dennis Dugan has a secret weapon, <laughs> a fucking chair on wires. He goes, he's
2: like, oh, yeah, never mind. I forgot I have a Land Rover with air tires. And
1: a jetpack. So he drives the Land Rover, which he, ha- he had kept stored in his Prius, even though it's the same size as his Prius. Yeah, and, he, and he, he he wears the suit of armor because he's like,
2: I know, I'll just drive. And he'll, like, shoot me and it'll bounce off the armor because that's totally how this works.
1: Uh-huh. That's how lasers work, because I'm Dennis Dugan, the dumbest fucking <laughs> the, the man, dumbest alive. man alive. The dumbest man alive. Who is right about everything.
0: <laughs> he is? Yeah. And uh, he, he barely passed high school, he he says in an earlier scene. Yet he created artificial <laughs> in intelligence.
1: A yeah. In a weekend.
2: <laughs> and then so after destroying much of whatever the forest is and almost killing everybody, Land Rover is defeated by a spear because they have air tires and not pneumatic because I don't know if the robot had an air pump or a tire patch kit. In space, they never foresaw the idea that, oh, shit, he may get a flat while he's out there. There's no
1: flat tires on Alpha Centauri. And then, yeah, then we <laughs> are
2: treated to, like, what felt like three and a half hours of this guy flying around in a fucking chair on wires.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, it was so <laughs> long. <laughs> it was the worst. This is what I got to talk about. It's so fucking funny because, like, he's in this chair, and the chair is supposed to be a jetpack. This is such a prominent part of this movie that it is, A... Like Bobby said, approximately three and a half (laughs) hours long in the entire third act of the movie. (laughs) B, it is also the poster of the film, which is him on his, like, flying chair jetpack, with its words unidentified flying oddball <laughs> the best they could come up with was putting a chair on wires and like dangling it over a castle <laughs> and it's like Dennis Duke it's like <laughs> this rickety <laughs> chair he's holding on to these wires as he's slowly dangled and the wires are like they're not even like consistently uh parallel no. <laughs> so like the the chair keeps like tipping one way or the other and Dennis Duke keeps going whoa. Oh whoa whoa because it keeps almost falling over and the best part the best part of all of this the part that got me was that after about three shots of this as if they were making it linearly they went oh you can see the wires a bit too much i think and so there's a wide shot where they tried to smear out the wires Uh with like uh grease it was a common approach at the time in fact um Star Wars did it in the original 1977 release. Uh, they put Vaseline smear underneath the land speeders to hide the fact that you could see yeah. some of the mechanics that were holding the land speeders above the sand. They eventually replaced that, so you can't see that in the more modern versions of A New Hope. But it was a common approach to try to, like, erase... Wires as you smear Vaseline on, on on the film. But because it's this wide shot with these fucking giant steel cables <laughs> holding up Dennis Dugan, like the Vaseline smear is like over like half the frame. And so there's just like this it, it honestly looks like they just smeared fecal matter over this entire frame. And there's just this brown wipe above the guy. And they did it for one shot, and then you can honestly see. The director going, oh, no, that didn't work. (laughs) They don't do it anymore. (laughs) And then the next shot, there's nothing there. You just see the wires. They're like, it's Mm -hmm. better to see the wires. I've never seen so many wires in my life. (laughs) To be perfectly Uh, honest. It was really terrible. I think you can see fewer wires and cables on the Muppets. (laughs) Yes, you can see fewer. One other thing I have to point out, though, about this castle is that they shot these exteriors... At some sort of castle. I don't know what castle it was. I I didn't find it in like a Wikipedia or making of. But it looks like a real castle and a castle courtyard in England probably that they use to shoot these exteriors uh, for what is Camelot essentially. An actual castle, whether you're talking about Camelot or like 13th century or whatever, there's a castle courtyard and that's full of shit, you know? Like, there's castle walls, but inside the castle walls, there's going to be, like, stables. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be, like, barns. There's going to be, like, little, like, storage units. People lived there. Yes. It's full of shit. It's a fort. It's a Like, fort. the walls is a fort. People yeah. live inside of it. Nowadays, if you go to see a castle, obviously none of that shit is there because all of that was made out of wood. All that's left are the walls. And, like, the turrets and, like, you know, chamber where the king lived or whatever, right? In this movie, they didn't build any of that. Camelot is a wall surrounding fucking nothing. Like, there's nothing uh-huh. in there. It's just grass. Yes, Just a field. It's, it's just a field, a field. With a spaceship. With, with a spaceship. <laughs> a spaceship it. that he landed in there, I guess. Or, like, he pulled it in. He
2: drove it in. Yeah. They moved it in. Yeah.
1: But, like, there's nothing in there. Like, they didn't think to decorate. There's no production. Of course they didn't.
2: (laughs) Of
0: course (laughs)
1: they didn't. Like, they got permission to shoot at a castle, and they're like, this is good. Yeah. We'll just shoot it
0: as is. I honestly, I know I had a lot of notes. I don't have very many notes about the battle because this was like so bad it's just him in the chair It's just him in the chair he's just doing laps for like 20 minutes while everyone dies around him and then he grabs an axe cuts the drawbridge down uh and then like collapses and holds onto a rope for the next 20 minutes um he gets uh he gets the robot to turn the thrusters on the rocket ship and the magnets and he
2: defeats them all with with rockets and magnets this thing got an unintentional chuckle out of me because he's just Hermes, activate all systems. And there's just a lever that... Two levers to say systems, and he pushes them up to the word All systems. Systems (laughs) up. And then we're treated to, like, another two and a half hours of my favorite shit sped up footage. Yeah. Of all these, like, soldiers getting magnetized towards the ship. And then, because he's wearing armor, it pulls his pants off, and he's naked, and he wins the battle in a pair of boxer shorts and a t-shirt that says USA with a flag on it. And then the King Arthur says to him, Thank you, Tom. We owe you our kingdom.
0: Victory!
1: (laughs) Oh my god. This is the worst thing. Why did I make us do this? I hate myself.
0: I hate myself so much. Uh, Why? And then they decide that they're going to carve his name into the round table uh tom whatever his name is well he replaces sir mordred or whatever yeah he replaces king arthur's son um yeah. on the
2: round table <laughs> and then he needs to go back to the future and he can't take the woman but he says that i wish i could take you back with you but i
0: don't know what'll happen you might age a thousand years before we re-enter and she goes i understand please give this note to your robot uh and i'm like no you don't understand sandy you don't understand any of this why what is, what is happening right now
2: well she doesn't understand because it doesn't make any fucking sense no, it makes any nothing sense. in this nobody makes could any understand fun. this and well i'm like never mind we said that like the page if the page can't read she definitely can't read and write
1: again she told him he was the second worst choice in the entire kingdom <laughs> to Oaf. and so she's like yeah i understand she's humoring him okay yeah. she's like yeah no that's Fine, please just leave. You're the second worst (laughs) prospect. So he gets in his spaceship and he lights some timber on fire. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because you can recreate jet fuel thrusters with a couple of wine barrels and some cotton.
1: (laughs) Whatever, it doesn't matter. He lifts off and then he goes into space and then he starts traveling through time again. So I'm just gonna stop now. I don't really care enough because this movie's too fucking dumb to care. But like The movie says, okay, you travel fast enough, you go back in time. And then the movie's like, okay, so how do you travel forward in time? You go the
0: opposite opposite direction. direction. (laughs) Clearly that means that you go the other way in time. Don't you know, Sean? That's how time travel works,
2: <laughs> and magnets. The ending of the movie
1: is Interstellar, where he goes back to get the girl. She doesn't want to date him. No, he's the second worst choice in England. So he's going to go back to, you know, Camelot. Yep, and she's going to be like, no, <laughs> it's a sad ending.
0: But uh but it's so bad because uh, he's he says.
1: To Hermes,
0: who is in love with Sandy, I'm going to go back and get the girl and live happily ever after. And then Hermes, <laughs> Hermes gives this knowing smile like he's going to murder Tom on the flight back. So I, I honestly expected that when they land back in like King Arthur times, uh, Hermes is going to impersonate Tom from
1: there on out. Tom's dead. Tom's dead. Tom's dead. 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 Dang. Tom is not making it back to Camelot. No. Nope. All right, that's the end of the movie. It's terrible. Um, Disney, they didn't do very well on it. Apparently it had a budget of $5 million. They decided to try their luck again with the franchise, though, because in 1995 they made another adaptation of a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court called A Kid in King Arthur's Court. That was directed by... Michael Gottlieb. Well, it's funny. One thing I noted about both
2: directors was the director of Flying Oddball directed a few episodes of Thunder in Paradise, a Hulk Hogan TV show. Michael Gottlieb also directed Mr. Nanny, another Hulk Hogan movie, and another movie called um, Playboy's Midsummer Night's Dream Party,
1: 1985. Okay. What I'm taking from this is that I kind of now want a movie where Hulk Hogan travels back to Camelot. (laughs) You know, a Connecticut wrestler in King Arthur's court. It should have been. I mean, that would have been great. He would have, like, power lifted everybody, like,
2: given, like, Mordred the boot and the leg drop, like, if they would have punched him out, he would have got up and shook his head and, like, pointed at everybody like he did. It would have been fantastic.
1: Nobody in that entire country would have ever heard of nutrients or protein. He would have been a god to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were all four feet
2: tall back in 560. yeah. And, like, this guy shows up with, like, his 24-inch pythons. Like, that he's their new king.
1: All right. So there's a huge uh, relationship between Hulk Hogan and these films. But Kid and King Arthur Court starred Thomas Ian Nicholas as the lead, Calvin Fuller. It had Joss Auckland as King Arthur in that film. Art Malik was Lord Belasco. Paloma Beza was Princess Katie. And then in some of their yes. f- first film yes, roles, yes, yes. Kate Winslet... Yep plays Princess Sarah, and Daniel Craig plays Master Kane. As mentioned, Ron Moody returns as Merlin, although it's a totally different Merlin character. Um, This movie also sucks. (laughs) Daniel Craig shows up and you're like, yep, he's definitely just checking off a box on his resume so he can say that he's been in a film, so he can be in better films. And Kate Winslet, (laughs) for some reason, is aiming for an Oscar. Yes, she is. And I don't know why. <laughs> does she think she's getting nominated for this? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Kate Winslet is really good in this, and it I don't know why. How does um how does he travel back in time? Not a spaceship, I'm assuming? No, oh, he falls into an earthquake. Um, Merlin calls out to the sages
2: of time to send a knight back in time to make Camelot great again. Oh, I mean I'm it, just
0: isn't his like baseball team the knights or something.
2: His baseball team the knights, and like an earthquake happens and he doesn't make it out of the batting cages and he just falls into a time warp and goes back in time.
1: Everyone has a lot of red caps on. They keep talking about making Camelot great again. It's very strange.
2: <laughs> they could have just recalled this movie, Magalot. I had, the, I noticed the same thing.
1: <laughs> Magalot. <laughs> oh god. Saving it at the end, Bobby. I was worried we didn't have some gold. They all mention it. Throughout was like, we can make Camelot
2: great again, and I was like, ooh. And then they just keep saying it. Isn't
1: the bad guy in this the bad guy from True Lies? He's better in True Lies. Yeah. Everybody except Kate Winslet is better in everything. <laughs> this is a bad movie that Kate Winslet, for some reason, thinks is getting her an
2: Oscar. I actually, I didn't mind Joss Ackland in this. He's hamming it up and, like, has it turned up to 11, but he's having fun with it at least.
1: I guess. I. I, I mean, I don't mind his performance, but there's some weird things, like, when he gets, like... Like, the script asks him to do things that I just found very frustrating and embarrassing because, like, he gets Excalibur. Yeah. And then he has, like, a sword fight that is the most embarrassing thing you've ever seen
2: in life. I know. Like, like
1: this awful old man
2: sword fight, which is, like, as you say, it is secondhand embarrassment watching. Because it's just people, like, running into his sword as he isn't even holding it the right way. Because
1: he can barely hold it, like, aloft. Like, it's not even up. Like, he can barely hold it off the ground. So all of his enemies have to, like, crouch down and, like, <laughs> like angle themselves. Like so they run into, into the his sword. sword. <laughs> and you
2: can tell they're trying their best to cut around it, but there's not much you can do. Which is not his fault. He's he's
1: almost 100 years old. The fact that they ask him to do some action sequences undermines the performance. Because you're just like, oof, oof. This is embarrassing. On uh, on IMDB, uh, a kid in King Arthur's Court only has... Uh,
0: eighteen images associated with it, and uh, okay, where does this go? And seven of those images are black and white storyboards from the film. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I noticed that.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, they clearly like Disney does not care about this. They 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 honestly didn't have an on-set photographer to take any. St- like, behind-the-scenes shot, they were like, oh, shit, toss some storyboards on there. They had
1: Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig in this I movie, know. and nobody was there to promote it. It opened – it opened at number nine. And I think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it in theaters.
2: I didn't see it in theaters, but I, I definitely saw it as a friend's house. Oddly enough, the same Friends House I also saw Rookie of the Year at, and it's the same kid from Rookie of the Year. hmm Which is, you could tell they were up to just, oh, good, get him in another baseball movie.
0: Yes. No, that that is what it was. I actually saw this movie, like, this year, I think, I, I remembered watching it as a kid, I put it on, um... And uh, I forgot that I saw it when you guys said you were watching it again. I was like, oh, yeah, didn't I just watch that? And I honestly forgot that Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig were in it up until
1: I looked at the cast. Robbie, I keep saying this. You need to get a life, man. This is, this is not okay. <laughs> this is bad. I feel I'm bad doing for homework you. for
0: our, our
2: podcast. Have
1: you ever heard of Space Camp? Bob has some good stories about
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Only if I drive myself. Don't count on the captain for a ride is the lesson of that story. I
1: was 10 <laughs> not fucking... It's not my fault, Bobby! Holding it against me after all this time. I'm not the one driving you!
2: God damn it. I do like how much everybody hates Calvin in this movie. In the intro, like, everyone
1: is calling him a fuck-up as he's going up to bat. And we don't even know why. Yeah. I did like how they're, like the opening credits are like uk casting and then there's like u.s casting and apparently the u.s casting was for one scene because they shot at the baseball diamond and that's it
0: isn't there like a like that in their house doesn't he like make spaghetti and his mom goes on a date am i remembering the right movie no
1: no you were thinking of a different movie because that does not happen that's rookie of the year
2: which i'm assuming is perhaps a prequel to this film the sequel Or the sequel. I don't know.
0: (laughs)
1: Can you imagine? He played in the major. <laughs> now he's he's in the league nights and they're all just like fuck you you're gonna fucking that's jump.
0: what happens you suck. He, he uh he 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 lands at rookie of the year right he like gets a broken arm and it sets him properly and so he has like super rotation right and then
1: in one of the games he slips and falls
2: <laughs> the- Roddy stop because we're gonna have to watch rookie of the year because it's on Disney plus
1: listen we all know the plot of rookie of the year he has super rotation he plays in the majors yeah. and then he gets hit in the arm again and, and he loses super rotation. And so he goes, has to go back to play for his little league team where they all go, boo, you boo. fucking suck. And then he, <laughs> he goes, goes back in
0: back time. In time.
1: <laughs> and then the sages pick him because they're like, wow, he was
2: a really good pitcher at one point. This is the guy that's going to make Camelot great again.
1: Because he's the Tom Brady of uh, the Disney films.
0: Uh, I think it's, uh, it's another one of those Disney films where uh, the moral of the story is cheating at sports. Uh, at the very end, is the right thing to do.
2: No, the the message at the ending of the movie is that Merlin is so fucking sexist, he can't even see that the best knight in the kingdom is already there literally living in the castle.
1: <laughs>
0: yes! I, I meant rookie of the year. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> the ending of A Kid in King Arthur's Court provides us with a twist, and I want to first provide my own commentary on what I thought the twist was, because going in, I thought the movie was going to reveal that Daniel Craig was going to be the Black Knight. Just a little background. The Black Knight is someone who has been robbing from the rich to give to the poor. Basically a Robin Hood character. And throughout the movie... You're supposed to believe that is he a bad person and then you start seeing him giving to the poor and you say, oh, actually, he's a good person. And then you know that Daniel Craig is a great knight who doesn't – who isn't allowed to actually compete because he comes from a lower class. And you're – I believed – I was like, ooh, is the twist going to be that Daniel Craig is the Black Knight? That would be an interesting twist. And then you find out that the Black Knight is Kate Winslet, the princess. And now I was like, wow, this movie actually – one up twisted me. This is M. Knight Shamelin' me. And as Bobby pointed out, what this means is that Merlin had the Black Knight literally down the hall, and he was like, No, I'd rather pull this fucking douchebag from the future. This kid who literally knows nothing, this kid whose like superpower is he knows how to kill people with Discmans. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. That was insane. He, like, burned out that guy's retina with a Discman. That's not possible. What was happening in this movie? He aims the laser at him and then, like, kills him. I don't think that's how Discman lasers work, but what do I know? You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> okay, that movie also sucked. <laughs> I'm going to talk about my, my ratings, though. I, I I can't actually tell which one sucked
2: more. I had a oh, really I can. I can. hard time. I'm pretty sure I know which one does. The last note on... A kid in King Arthur's Court? We joke about there a sequel. Yeah. There is a sequel. A King in Aladdin's Palace. Yep. Made for TV. It's not on Disney Plus. Not made by Disney. Oh wait, not made by Disney. No, uh there is, if I looked it up, it because there's another production company attached to the title of this film. It's the second company that went on to make that movie and they didn't make it with Disney.
1: Oh, that's why it's not on Disney Plus. It's not Fuck. actually And Disney it's starring the same guy. It's starring yeah. yeah. American pop playing the same character. Yeah, Thomas E. and Nicholas. Okay, cra- crazy. I didn't know that was not Disney. I assumed it was. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Kidding King Arthur's court is, is better. Uh, but that's not uh, a huge compliment. Um, I think unidentified flying oddball is one of the worst things we've watched. I take full responsibility for it. <laughs> it's one of the worst things I've ever done to Bobby. Uh, right up there <laughs> with, uh, Taking Captain of the Space Camp Shuttle. I'm going to put this just above Oz the Great and Powerful, which means it is just above the four just atrocious, terrible movies. So that's like Freaky Friday 2018, Blank Check, Adventures and Babysitting. It's below the Even Stevens movie. Uh, Kid in King <laughs> Arthur's Court, I put slightly higher. Um, I'm going to put Kid and King Arthur's Court actually above the Shaggy Dog and below the Three Musketeers. It's terrible, but for some insane reason, Kate Winslet is going for an Oscar. And I kind of liked some of the twists in the later part of the movie where, like, it turns out that Kate Winslet is the Black Knight and there's, like, jousting that isn't incredibly stupid robot decapitation. <laughs> Uh, so I put it just below The Three Musketeers 1993. Rob, what do you, did you think? What is this, number one for you? Like, fuck off. No, 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 no. Uh,
0: I I actually fell into a different category than you in the so bad, I got enjoyment out of it. Uh, I will give you... The third act is atrociously terrible, but hilarious to watch if you're in the right mindset. If you're just like, look at those wires, what is happening? None of the insert shots match anything that's happening. Like, if you can get to that point, uh, I honestly laughed hysterically at this film. Um, not with this film, at this film. Uh I really liked uh the nice little gay relationship between King Arthur and Sir Gawain. I thought they had a cute little thing dynamic going on there. And I like Jim Dale as uh Sir Mordred. Um and I even liked some of the deliveries of Merlin uh and so I am putting this one uh I'm splitting the difference between the two avatars. I'm saying Avatar 1 unidentified unidentified are flying you oddball are fucking shitting me and then me.
1: two ava two tar you're you're saying unidentified flying oddball was better than avatar 2 the way of water the movie that is surely going to make at least 2.2 2 billion dollars
0: i have no desire to see avatar 2 ever again and i watched unidentified flying oddball today <laughs> twice
1: twice in one day in one day. Okay, honestly, I I can't argue with that. Uh, congrats, Rob. You have made me speechless. I <laughs> I guess you're correct.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's a terrible film. But uh, okay. uh, I laughed a lot at it. So that's why I'm ranking it that high. Like, if it was actually, like, merit-based, it would be at the exact same spot you put it at. i put it right at the bottom. But I laughed my face off. So I I, I enjoyed myself watching. To be
1: clear, I put it above Oz the Great and Powerful, because as bad as like Dennis Dugan is in this, he's not quite as bad (laughs)
0: as James Franco.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As James Franco in Oz the Great and Powerful. (laughs) Just globally, I just want to remind people that like this movie, when you watch it on Disney Plus, is full of scratches (laughs) and what I assume to be dog saliva. (laughs) because they did not protect this like the negatives because even disney is like nobody fucking cares what happens to this movie and i think that is the best review that you could ever understand about how good this movie is bobby please bring us home tell me how did you feel about both of these films wait rob how did you feel about the second one how did you feel about kid and king when i
0: watched it like this year before we did the podcast um A lot – I echoed a lot of what you said. Um, I think I was more taken aback when Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig showed up Um, and I don't know. I'll put it um, under the black hole but above High School Musical. So that's 22.
1: Bob, bring us home. What do you think?
2: Flying Oddball was not a movie so much as it was an hour and a half of torture. (laughs) <laughs> this movie was abysmal with little or nothing to like in it like I, I, I honestly i felt like this movie was three and a half hours long because it just overstayed its welcome nothing played and it just wouldn't fucking end correct um so i actually ranked it lower than you and i put it below oz the great and powerful because as much as oz the great and powerful is terrible it wasn't as torturous that movie was just bad so this movie is above adventures of bull with griffin adventures and babysitting and blank check so it is like very bottom of the list As far as A Kid in King Arthur's Court, number 28, just above High School the Musical. And oddly enough, as much as I despise them, it is below the avatars because (laughs) those are, as much as I hate them, comparable films. That cannot be said for A Kid in King Arthur's Court. (laughs) Um, And I want to point out that Flying Oddball, like I'm not just ranking it low. Not just because it also reminded me of the time that you went back in time to the Medieval Ages and I didn't. You had to rub salt in the wound of the time you got to go to space
1: and I didn't. Robbie, that's a second story. We didn't tell you the second story. What? I'm going to tell you the story now. So, and then is Bobby going to tell me how it actually happened? So when we were in grade <laughs> five, Three. I
2: think... Third grade. It's already started because he went to space in fifth grade. We you went back in time in third grade.
1: Okay, so yeah, you're, you're, I think you're probably right.
2: Sorry, I, I, I vividly remember every time you bested
1: me. So we were in third grade, and it makes more sense because this is such a stupid story. It wouldn't be fifth grade; <laughs> it's third grade. <laughs> so when we were in third grade, we were in this class with this teacher who I presume was high on mushrooms. <laughs>
2: now, to be fair, this is the same the same woman that ran Space Club.
1: Was it? <laughs> I forgot that part. <laughs> Fuck, she like ruined your
2: life. So the the story isn't so much about you besting me, so much as it is about how much this teacher oh hated me and wanted me to carry this with me my whole life.
1: <laughs> I didn't best you. None of the <laughs> both of these things were just cool I anyway. Um, uh, in this class, this teacher, she had this class that she called "fuck with the students." <laughs> I'm assuming that's what she called it. Uh, subtitle <laughs> Fuck With Bobby. And so she like – she got in front of the class and she went, keep in mind this is a teacher. This is someone that the students are taught to put their trust in. Yes. Parents send their kids to school and say, your teacher will bestow on you truth. They will give you knowledge. They will guide you through your life and show you what it is. To live in this world that we call our society. And so these kids get into the classroom, the teacher stands in front of them and says, Children, I have something to tell you. I have built a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids go, What? And the teacher says, No, seriously, I have a time machine. And
0: Bobby can't come.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're spoiling the bunch. Right? <laughs> She's like, I have this time machine. I'm getting a headache from laughing so much right now. (laughs) We're going to go back in time and have this amazing adventure. So this teacher is pitching herself like Miss Frizzle from the Magic School Bus. Yeah, clearly. And like, this is what we actually experienced. This is not a joke. This is not a comic routine. This is what Bobby and I experienced in our grade three class. We
2: all had to write reports to like... And the top reports would get picked to go back in
1: time. Yeah, we would pitch ourselves as who gets to go back in time with her. So this is like... What? Keep in mind, Miss Frizzle has like the magic school bus. Where everyone gets to go. It would be like if Miss Frizzle is like, only the five best kids get to go on this adventure. I want to stress, she keeps pretending this is real. Like this uh-huh. is not a fantasy thing where she's telling kids this is just for pretend. She keeps telling the kids this is actually going to happen. You're actually going to go back in time. And these kids go, that's not fair. Why are only five kids going back in time and you're not taking anybody else? And she goes, okay, we'll take a sixth kid. And so I'll take the sixth best report. And the sixth best report was Sean. And so I got to go back in time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so she called me up. And then she's like, but nobody else gets to go back in time because you all suck, especially Bobby. <laughs> and then Bobby was like, oh, that's No, Bobby. This is the most insane thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Like, looking back on it, this is like emotionally scarring. Oh like, gosh. this is like the actions of a psychopath. Clearly. That would do this <laughs> clearly, to a child. Clearly. And I don't know where this story is going. <laughs> I didn't know where this was going. What's the age of someone in grade three? Nine, ten? You were like eight going on nine. I was eight years old. So I want to stress, because I remember this vividly, because this is like, this is a defining moment in my life. This is like shit where people were like, I almost died. I don't know what's coming up. The steps between the classroom and her time machine. Every single step, I remember vividly, because there was a part of me that went, maybe we're going to a time machine. (laughs) (laughs) You wanted it so bad. And so we got to her time machine, and then she went, okay, I don't have a time machine. And then we went, oh, yeah, I understand. I didn't really believe it for a second. And then all of us kind of, like, looked away and shed a single tear. And then she made us come up with an elaborate lie. She's like, but I need you to pretend to continue this lie. She brought these kids into this, like, a simple plan style, like, elaborate lie where she made us swear to, like, continue to the end of our days. she was responsible for
2: children. And the, the the funny thing about this, and like, Sean, you can attest to this too, that I don't know what was up with the school year or how the teachers set up that way, but in our third grade, we actually had two different teachers. We had a morning teacher and an afternoon teacher. Yep. Sean is talking about the nice teacher.
1: I <laughs> am, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Look, uh, this was the one we all liked. Who, <laughs> like, got everyone on her side by, by creating an elaborate facade, a lie that she was Miss Frizzle, and then, like taking six of us aside and be like you need to like perpetuate this lie until the end of your days you need to go to your grave telling people that you want a magic school bus style adventure
2: you know what like the thing is here's the thing with me right now is like it was worth watching both of these movies and sitting through it because this is the first time you've ever admitted it didn't happen (laughs) (laughs) i can you 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 put my heart at ease (sighs) I'm sorry I ever held a grudge against you. The thing is, Bobby's not joking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I lied to him for so long.
2: It's been like, it's been almost 30 years. I spent so long lying to him. I kept telling him I went, <laughs> I went back in time.
0: Sean's gone. Sean's gone. I kept telling him I went back in
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> Sean I'm here I forgive you
0: <laughs> That's it boys I think we're done I'm sorry I'm sorry she made me lie I'm sorry she made me lie I forgive
2: you I see it now It's 30 years later this, this this was not your choice She literally locked you And like four other people In a broom closet And said <laughs> lie to them Lie for that the rest of your life She did
0: That's what this teacher did <laughs> oh my god this laugh is like a purge
1: (laughs) oh my god anyway tune in next week to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) where we're gonna watch enemy mine we'll dig deeper into the facades that all of our lives that's the show if you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks. What a terrible name for the show.
0: Bobby, uh, have you set up your um uh, your little toys uh, in your recording closet?
2: No, they're hiding in a no? cup. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> Whatever that means. It's something called like a Disney mini ball that is basically a Terry's chocolate orange, but inside it is like stupid little Disney knickknacks. But like you unpeel each one to reveal a toy, but it's like not really a toy. It's like a miniature toy of a Disney toy. Like for example, I got a miniature toy. Of a small box toy of Prince Beast from Beauty and the Beast that came in its own replica box. Or, like, I got a miniature, like, Minnie Mouse Bento box lunch set. You can't actually open or do anything, and it's like <laughs> an inch big. But, like, the weirdest one in this box of orange toys was a miniature Disney shopping bag that is big enough to fit one of these small <laughs> Disney toys inside of it and it's, like, the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> That's what I got bought for Christmas. <laughs> so it's, like... Those were so expensive. They were so expensive. <laughs> for the price of what you got, I totally got <laughs> hosed and I bought you two of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
2: it would be, like, if,
1: like... Your Kenner action
2: figures had their own action figures. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly it. And then it also came with a miniature bag to put your miniature purchase inside of after taking <laughs> from, your actual purchase out from of the your bag. tiny
1: miniature Disney <laughs> store. Because even in the fantasy ro- world that they're creating for children, it's all about consumerism. No,
2: you think you're joking? Some of them contain miniature shelves that store the toys. <laughs> <taste. laughs> yes. It's advertised. You could
0: buy a five-pack of them on Amazon. It's like, build your own Disney store.
1: (laughs) Billy, what are you playing? I'm pretending I'm buying more Disney toys. That is exactly it. All right.